Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Colossians 1.10. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Live a life worthy of the Lord. How do you react to that? When you hear that call, that statement, this is from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 10, when you hear what Paul is saying here, live a life worthy of the Lord, how do you react? What stirs up in you? Do you hear that and say, like, oh boy, like, worthy? I don't feel worthy. That doesn't describe me. Do you hear this call and and do you feel like, man, I'm not sure that I can do that? Someone in the last service said, like, that feels like insurmountable. That feels intimidating. Does that feel that way for you? Do you hear that and it's like, not sure I'm measuring up. Do you hear that and you feel like, man, I want to, but... I'm not, or, or maybe the better way is like, I want to want to, but I don't want to. Like, do you feel that kind of tension that, that Paul talked about in the book of Romans? Like, I do what I don't want to do. And, and do, like, do you feel that tension? Or do you look at it and you're kind of like, well, yeah, maybe that's true of me. Like, maybe I've got a little bit of that going on. Or do you look at it and you're just like, why should I care? Like, what does this really have to do with me? What, what good is this for me? I, I'm just curious, where, where is your reaction? Like, pay attention to yourself right now. Like, as you hear that statement, what's going across your mind? What's stirring up in your heart? When you, when you read these words, do you have pushback? Do you feel like something is, is just like, nah, just not, not sure that that's for me? We are beginning a series in the book of Colossians. This book is is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae, a a Roman colony, a Roman city, in which the church had been planted and born and and was growing, and and he writes this letter to them. And and here's the opening of the letter. Like, he's, hey, here's who I am, and I'm introducing myself, and and then I'm, I'm glad for you. Here's what I'm hearing about you. And then he makes this call. What is it that Paul's going after here? Well, why we're doing this series is we want to explore what does it look like for us to become rooted in Christ. That's the tagline. So we're, we're Colossians, we're exploring this book, but we're looking at this angle of what does it mean for us to be rooted in Christ? Because that's the thrust of the book. Where, where Paul ultimately wants to go is he wants to tell us to, to be rooted in Jesus, to live our lives in a way that we're, we're coming from him. We're grounded in him. And he makes this call, live a life worthy of the Lord. And we're going to see throughout this book that this call to depth in our relationship with Jesus is going to encounter challenge. There's things that are going to distract us and pull our attention away from being grounded in him. So this whole experience, this whole walk through the series is going to help us see that we are we're to be grounded in him but it starts off with this challenging call 
So what we want to do as we start this series, as we open up this letter, we understand why does Paul make this call? So here's how we're going to do that. We're going to, we're going to hear the call. We're going to just see what is Paul pointing to. Like, here, here's this call. What does it mean? What is he saying about it? How does he help us understand what this is supposed to look like? And then finally, and probably most importantly, how, how do we actually do it? Because again, however you might be reacting to that statement, I'm just curious, like, what's the barrier from actually living it out? We're going we're to explore how, how we fulfill that call. So if you're not already there, I encourage you, turn to the book of Colossians. We're going to read the first 14 verses. So the book of Colossians is kind of in the back. If you're getting used to your Bibles, there's a whole bunch of short letters that come in the New Testament. Colossians is kind of in the middle. Use your table of contents. But you've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and you've got Colossians in here. So try to find Colossians. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, the first 14 verses. The words will be on the screen to help you follow along as well. All right, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all of God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our, fellow, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you, might, you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So here is the opening to the letter of Colossians. And the tone of it is incredible. It's one of Thanksgiving and Paul's just gushing on how he's heard about the Colossians and their faith and, and the way that they, they carry themselves. And it's in that context that again, we hear the fresh call of verse 10, live a life worthy of the Lord. Now, what, what is Paul really pointing to? Like, what's this all about? So again, Paul, he, he's been like thanking them. He's praying for them and says like, I've been praying for you consistently. 
And I want you to look real quick at verses three and four. Like, just catch the tone that, that Paul's going after here. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for God's people. And then down at verse nine, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So like here, Paul, he's talking about like, I've heard great things about you. Now, one thing you need to know is that Paul, he's likely never met many of these Christians. Did you know that Paul didn't plant this church in Colossae? He references it in the letter. He says, Epaphras, you heard it from him. Epaphras, he's this guy that worked with Paul and, and one of, was one of his co-workers and, and he went to Colossae and he started the church there. He shared the gospel. People came to faith and started the church there. Paul has not, he's not met many of these people and yet he can say the words that he says like, I've heard about you and I pray for you constantly. I mean, just imagine that, like somebody you haven't met who, who cares that much about you, just, I, I pray for you constantly. And there's such thanksgiving in the way that Paul is addressing them and writing to them. And so when he says all this, he, he's, he doesn't know these people, but he's heard about them and he's so excited about what he's hearing. So the one thing I want you to note is that what Paul's reflecting here in his prayer for them is this. Like, I see your faith, I see the life you're living, and I want to applaud that. What Paul's doing here is he is elevating this kind of life. He's looking at the Colossians, he's saying, like, what I see in you, I want to celebrate that. Like, I'm, I'm seeing good things in you, this, this is something that we should celebrate, way to go. And so I pray for you, I give thanks, I give thanks to God for you. And what it, it reminded me of, and this is probably a terrible analogy, but it's kind of like the employee of the month, right? Okay, so like you work somewhere and, and someone's the employee of the month. The idea is that this person's like, hey, they're doing a good job and we want to celebrate that. Now, again, bad analogy. Nobody wants to be employee of the month, really. But like you get the sense of what it's trying to accomplish, right? Paul is saying like this, this is it. Good job. Like, we want to celebrate and highlight this. This is what we're shooting for. We're shooting for this kind of thing. It's a way to go. And so when we hear that, when Paul writes this thanksgiving to the people in Colossae, and then he also makes this call, he's saying, like, what you're doing, build into that more. And so what we, as readers today, 2,000 years later, what we can take away and hear this is the same kind of call. Paul is elevating, here's the kind of life. And so what he's saying to us is, we are to live a life worthy of the Lord. This is for us. We're to live a life worthy of the Lord. What I've been hearing about you in Colossae, yes, good job, keep going. And that I want everybody to do. We're to live a life worthy of the Lord of the Lord. But what is that life? Paul, he's highlighting something. He's like, hey, I'm thankful for you. Like, I'm glad about what I'm hearing. What is it that he's hearing? What is the kind of life that is worthy of the Lord? What is it that Paul is pointing to? We'll jump back down to verse 10. 
And let's see how Paul begins to explain it. So verse 10 and following. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So notice what Paul's saying. is like, live a life worthy. And what does he say? Bear fruit. Grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Be strengthened and empowered. Give joyful thanks. And I want to latch on to one phrase there, that first one, bear fruit, because this is the second time he says it in this section. So if you jump back up to verse six, you might have caught this, like, oh, that sounds familiar. Well, in verse six, he uses this language in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. What, what Paul is pointing to is this life is a life that bears fruit. It bears fruit. Now, that's a pretty churchy phrase, right? Bear fruit. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you've been in church, you probably, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that sounds familiar. Like, but I don't know what it means. You know, or, or some of you are just like, okay, what are we talking about fruit for, right? Well, okay, so fruit is something that you, you produce from a plant, you know, like that kind of thing. Uh, my family, my wife especially, we love fall. So like she's all about this season right now. Well, fall is a time where you begin to harvest all of the seeds that were planted in spring. They've been growing and now they're producing a crop. Farmers are going out to, to harvest their fields. We're going to go pick pumpkins and apples, like harvest. Fruit is being produced. This is an image Paul is leveraging that is actually woven in the scriptures throughout. And so I want to highlight one place for you, Psalm 1. So the book of Psalms, it's, uh, it's one of those places where you can just walk through the Psalms and you can hit every human emotion, every human experience. Well, the Psalms start out very intentionally. The psalmist is coming in to say, like, I want to put two paths before you. And he does that right in the first couple of verses. So I want to read you the first three verses of Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So right here in Psalm 1, the whole Psalter starts out with this choice. Are you going to go one way or the other? One way is not so good. The other way, that's where life is had. And the psalmist uses an image of a tree, a tree planted by a stream of water. This tree is able to have nourishment and life. It bears its fruit in its proper season. Even when the, 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 the drought comes, like it's by a stream, it's going to have water. When the darkness falls, it's not going to wither and fade. Like this tree, tree represents life. It's flourishing. It's thriving. This, this is the picture. 
don't go this way, go this way, because you're going to find life. Paul is picking up on this image and saying, be like this, bear fruit like that tree in Psalm 1. Live that kind of life. Be grounded in such a way that you are bearing fruit. Be like that tree, because there, there is life in that tree. So when Paul, he says, like, live a life worthy, bear fruit, he's connecting the dots for us to see. It's this tree. It's this kind of life. So it begs the question, or leads to the question, what are we talking about in terms of fruit? Like, if we're to be this tree, like, what is the actual fruit that we're to produce? Well, he tells us. Back to Colossians. Look at verses 4 and 5. We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. He named three things real quick in there, didn't he? Faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. This is the fruit that comes from the gospel. He's like, I see it in you. I want to celebrate that. That's the kind of life that we want to have. The life that is marked by faith, love, and hope. Now, real quick, just a reminder of what these words mean. So faith. Faith is that trust in Jesus. It's that belief and standing on him as the solid rock. Like, I am relying on Jesus. That's faith. Love. Loving people. Being others-centered. Thinking about the interests of others. Like, I'm loving people. I'm loving God. I'm loving people as he does, which is one of self-sacrifice. I'm giving. I'm, I'm pouring out. I'm generous. There's immense kindness like that. That's love and hope. This isn't just wishful thinking like, oh, I kind of hope my team wins today. Like, no, this is like certainty. The hope, like I know this is coming and so I'm waiting for it. I'm expecting it. I'm looking ahead. Hope. So faith, love, and hope. You've probably heard these three words thrown together before, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's that famous love chapter you often hear at weddings. But did you know how that ends? He's talking about love and, and how love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy. And he explores this, this holistic picture of the way that love is. But then he lands and ultimately ends the conversation by saying, okay, these three things remain. When everything else fades away, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. See, Paul is putting these three things together to represent a picture. There's certainly other fruit we could talk about, but he gathers these three to point to one reality, and it's Jesus. Who better embodies this? Who brings this than Jesus? He is marked by faith, hope, and love. And Paul is saying, like, this is a comprehensive picture to say, be like Jesus. Live the kind of life that Jesus would if he were in your shoes. We've used that language before. So what he's pointing to is that we, we are to have this kind of fruit. We are to be faithful, loving, hopeful. When people look at us, they should see these attributes growing in us. 
That, that is bearing fruit. Just like as if you were to approach an apple tree. And it's like, oh, is it ready? Oh, no, but I don't see anything yet. Versus like, oh, there's bright red apples. People should look at us and see these three things. Because of the marks of Jesus. So this is the kind of life we're to live. We're to live a life worthy of the Lord. And this life is one that bears fruit, particularly in faith, love, and hope. This is what Paul is pointing to, but still it surfaces the question, okay, I get all that. How? Like, how do we have this? What's the way for us to actually begin to bear this kind of fruit? Because again, what were your reactions? Like, that doesn't sound like me, or I'm not really interested, or I want to, but like, how do we get there? What is it that leads us to have this kind of life? Look with me at verses five and six. The faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel is what bears fruit in our lives. That's how we bear fruit. It's the gospel. I mean, you can almost hear it in the way that Paul articulates it. It's like personified. You know, it's this thing that's doing the action. The gospel is how we bear fruit. And the gospel, this isn't just a one-time thing where we kind of hear the message. And like, no, Paul is pointing to this like fruit-producing reality that exists in an ongoing way. The gospel bears fruit. This message that they've heard, they trust, they rely on, this, this is where the fruit comes from. So it's the gospel. What's the gospel? Here's how Paul articulates it in this chapter. Jump down to verse 13. For he, Jesus, or excuse me, the Lord, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's Paul's summary of the gospel. He's like, we were in the dominion of darkness. Dominion, like we're trapped, we're oppressed, we're we're overrun by Darkness. Have you ever been in a completely pitch black environment? Whether it's like the bathroom light is off and you can't see anything, or you're outside in the middle of the woods on a moonless night. Like, have you just been in utter darkness? You can barely see a few inches in front of you, right? Like, you can't see where you're going. You don't know where you're going to step. You, you're just, you're stuck, right? You feel powerless. The dominion of darkness And what does Jesus do? He rescues us from that. He pulls us out. He he flips on the light. He opens the door and he brings light to bear so that now we can see. Things can't survive in darkness. But where there's light, there's thriving, there's, there's growth, there's fruit bearing. That, that is what happens when Jesus rescues us. He sets us free from the power of darkness and brings us into light and life. He rescues us. And he does it by redemption, by paying 
This is a word, a legal kind of term where it's like a slave is, is trapped and, and then they're redeemed. They're, they're paid for, they're bought. Jesus did that with his life. He poured out his blood. He gave himself up to pay for us. And this brings forgiveness. All the mess of our sin, the brokenness, the things that are wrong in our lives and in this world, he forgives it and he redeems. He restores, he renews. This, this is the gospel. And so what Paul wants us to see is this gospel message that we've heard. If you've heard it, you've accepted it, you've received it. That gospel message is not just a one-time thing. It is an ongoing reality. And let me capture this for you. So jump to chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This is the heart of the entire letter. What Paul wants to get to is this big idea, if you will. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received it, you heard the gospel, you received him as Lord, continue to live your lives in him rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Just as you received it, continue to live in it. There is no distinction. Sometimes we think the gospel is this message, this proclamation of like, okay, I hear that Jesus died for me and I'm gonna trust him and follow him. Great, moving on. No, it is the gospel that that's how we continue to live. The gospel we receive, we surrender to, we are dependent upon him, we rely on him. That is how we are to continue to live. So the gospel is not just a one-time thing. We hear it and move on. No, no, no. This is how we bear fruit. The gospel, surrender, receiving, accepting from him that. That is the way to live the life worthy of. So hearing this call, live a life worthy of, we are to bear fruit from the gospel to fulfill that call. Here, here's maybe an illustration. So uh, we've got a tree in our backyard. It's an evergreen. And it's not doing so well. Like we're looking at it and half the needles are gone. And so I'm looking at this thing thinking like, okay, what do we need to do here? Do I just need to cut this thing down or is there something I can do? And I kind of heard about this, so I dug, dig, dug in a little bit and did a little research. There's something you can do. You can give the tree injections, essentially. And what you would do is you would inject some, some uh, things that will kill the disease or parasites or anything like that, and it will give nutrients to the tree. And you might be able to revitalize it. And so I'm looking at this like, okay, do we need to cut it down or do we need to do this? And it occurred to me like this. This is what Jesus does. He comes in, he gives us that injection of life. He removes the junk, the parasites, the disease, and he gives us the nutrition, the life that we need. And this isn't just a one-time thing. You do it and okay, now you're all bad. Like you gotta do this over and over for a tree. That's what it is with the gospel. We need to hear it over and over again. We need to embrace and receive it over and over again. The gospel is how we live how we live a life worthy. So back to that reaction moment when you hear this call, live a life worthy, is your reaction like, I don't feel worthy. Like, I don't think that's for me because I will just never measure up. You are worthy. 
1 John 4.10. Not that we loved him, but that he first loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. Jesus laid down his life because he looked at you and said, I love you. We didn't love him first. We didn't merit anything. We didn't warrant like, oh, okay, thanks for doing that thing for me. I'll do this back for you. No. It starts with him. It starts with him looking at you and say, I love you. You are valuable to me. You have worth in my eyes because I created you. You are worthy because I say so. Not because of anything you do. You are worthy because I say so. We are worthy in the Lord. You might say, I want to do that, but man, I just don't. I, I, don't, see, I don't see that happening there for me. Like, I, I, I'm not sure I can come through on fulfilling that call to live worthy. How we do that is we step towards him. The call is not to, like, put it on our shoulders, try really hard, and see if we can get there. Like, no, we don't receive the gospel that way. We come to surrender, to release, and to receive. And that's how we continue to do it. You may not feel like you can. You don't have the energy, the capacity, the strength, the, the, the capability. Like, you might feel like, I can't come through. Exactly. You can't. It's only by coming to Jesus, spending time with him, and allowing him to do his work in us that we are able to move. So if you're not doing that, here's how you, you, you just you spend time with him. Start with just five minutes. Build that pattern. A few minutes in the morning when you get up and just say, all right, Jesus, I just want to do this day with you. Maybe you read a short passage of scripture but build in that regular pattern because there you are putting yourself in a posture to receive. We're not making something happen. It's not like I got my five minutes, I'm earning a, a merit here. No, no, no. This is a posture to receive what the Lord wants to do in your life. And it's by him. He's the one who does it. Now you might say like, okay, I want to, but I don't know how. Like I, I feel like I need to learn some more. So the answer is not just go study a bunch of stuff and fill your, fill your head. No, no, no. Learn how in all wisdom. Fill our, fill our heads with the knowledge of God to lead to wisdom. That's what Paul's talking about. So we learn alongside other people. It's practical. It's real in life. And so do you have a circle of people around you? A group of people that you can go to and say, hey, I'm still trying to figure this part out. Can, can we do it together? There the Lord is going to work. Because this faith thing is not an individualistic thing. We don't just shell away from everything in life and, and do it by ourselves. Like, no, we are meant to be communal. We do this with one another. So do you have a life group? A small group of people that you can, can do life with and, and share what you've learned and help them walk in this faith journey together and let them help you. You don't know how. Learn from one another. You might be saying like, hey, I feel like this call, like I might be doing pretty well. Great. Keep going. And one thing that I've learned in my faith journey is there's this kind of this picture of a triangle. When you start out your faith, you learn, it's like, oh, I'm growing deep. I'm, I'm learning more. And you just, you kind of get bigger. And as you go, it just, it spreads out more and you're learning more and more. But if you notice like the trajectory keeps going because you never hit the bottom. 
And you find that triangle just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I found the longer that I go in faith, the less I actually know. And so this is a reminder, keep going, but don't get complacent. Don't think that you've arrived, like, hey, I'm doing it. Like, no, you're not. (laughs) Keep going because there's more to learn. And as you go, you're just going to realize, like, wow, there's that much more for me to learn. And we never really arrive. We just discover, like, how much we didn't know. So if you feel like you're seeing some growth, you're seeing fruit in your life, keep going. There's still more to have. Now, you might also say, when you hear that call, like, live a life worthy, why should I care? Why, why, why should I even hear that? What does it have to do with me? What Jesus wants to do is, is say to you, this is how you have life. This living a life worthy is not just to honor me, it is. It's where you're going to find yourself thriving and flourishing. This is what you're looking for. You're walking through life trying to find something, whatever that something may be. You're not going to find it anywhere else but me. So why should you care? This is the thing you're looking for. That's what Jesus wants to say. Come to me and you'll have life and life abundant. That's what Jesus wants us to hear. So this life worthy is not an earning thing, but it's like where we find ourselves full and complete in him. That's what he's offering. So Jesus, he calls us to live a life worthy of him. Here's what I want you to do. Here's an application, the the one thing from today that I want you to take away. Ask yourself, how am I doing with this? That's it. Just take that statement, live a life worthy of the Lord, and evaluate, how am I doing? How would you rate yourself on a scale of one to 10? Where do you see this going well, or where do you see it not going well? And how do you know? What's your evidence or what's pointing to that for you? Are you pursuing this? I just want you to take time, sometime today, this week, whatever, and look and just say, how am I doing with this? And just see what the Lord shows you. Because as we dive into this series, we're going to see the Lord, he's going to challenge us, he's going to grow us, he's going to allow us to see where we can go deeper because we want to be rooted in him. That's our goal for this series. We want to plant deep. We want our roots to go down deep into his soil because there, that's where we find life and nourishment. That's where we can bear fruit. So where can you go next? Where can you grow next? Evaluate. See where that growth edge is. Take time to spend with the Lord and just see, how am I doing with this? That's the one thing I want you to do out of today. Church family, the reason we're doing this series is this, this beautiful book. I mean, I'm, I'm falling in love with it again as I'm studying it. There's just richness here for what it looks like to pursue Jesus, to follow him, to go deep with him. And the reason we're doing it is very intentional. We're entering into a new season, a new chapter as a church. And we feel with a new vision coming, we feel the call to go after discipleship, to going deep with Jesus. Not to the exclusion of being outward or or reaching new people, but we do want to go deep. We want to plant our roots deep into him. And so that's why we're doing this series. 
Because as a church, we're going after this. And so will you come along for the ride? Will you be about this? Will you pursue this same initiative with us? Because we want to go after it. And so that's why we're going to dive into this series. And I am so excited. I am looking forward to how God is going to minister in our church, in each and every one of you, and to the people around us because we're going after this. So hear the call as Jesus wants you to hear it. Live a life worthy of the Lord. Would you pray with me?